You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. This is episode 110. And this episode is going to be about overreacting. Have you ever overreacted about something? I mean, like, seriously overreacted? Taking things way too far? Uh, I would like to say that I have never overreacted in a situation, but I can't even say that I haven't overreacted this year. And an incident at work recently caused me to to think about a story in the Bible. And uh, an incident at work, so... We have this new salesman who is oftentimes not quite doing things right, and I, and admittedly, he annoys me a lot, and I try not to let him, but let it annoy me. But I don't give him as much common grace as I should, considering he's new. But uh, a few days ago, he wanted to send me out to do a delivery, and I was already doing some stuff for him. I had to get a bunch do a bunch of stuff that he already asked me to do, and he was on my case about making this delivery for him. So I told him he had to just calm down and let me finish the other step he wanted me to do first. So I go to make this delivery for him, and when I get there, the, as soon as I get there, the customer starts yelling at me and swearing at me because they say that the salesman had made all kinds of promises to him and that I wasn't fulfilling these promises. And I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't know anything about any of this. Um, and so I get back, and I yell at the salesman and um, tell him that he can't just be promising stuff to customers without without uh, telling me about it because it makes us look, like, look incompetent. And I said a whole bunch of other things to him that weren't quite so nice. And, and then... It, and I don't know if it's true or not, but he told me that he didn't make any of these promises to the customer and that the customer just heard what he wanted to hear, and then that may be or may not be the case, and that's not really important. What's important is that I realized that I was out of line and I overreacted, and so I apologized to him and told him I was being a jerk and that it wasn't quite right. But that got me to thinking about a story from the Bible, and it's a story that a lot of people who are critics of the Bible, used to say that God isn't kind. And they say, well, this happened. And I'm saying, well, yes, it did. But the thing is, is that God did not approve of it. And uh, the story I'm going to read, just before, just before that point, there is a verse... Uh, right about that time, and it says in Judges 21, 25, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So basically it was anarchy. They weren't really listening to God, and they weren't really listening to, they didn't have any, uh, listening to any law. Everybody was just doing what they thought was right. Or as the King James put it, everybody did what was right in their own sight. 
And so this story is in Judges 19. And it says, In those days Israel had no king. Now a Levite, who lived in a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, took a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But she was unfaithful to him, so, he, so she left him and went back to her parents' home in Bethlehem, Judah. After she had been there four months, her husband went, uh, went to her to persuade her to return. He had with him his servant and two donkeys. She took him into her parents' home, and when her father saw him, he gladly welcomed him. His father-in-law, the woman's father, prevailed upon him to stay so that he remained with him three days, eating and drinking and sleeping there. On the fourth day, they got up early and prepared to leave, but the woman's father said to his son-in-law, Refresh yourself with something to eat, and then you can go. So the two of them sat down to eat and drink together. Afterward, the woman's father said, Please stay tonight and enjoy yourself. And when the man got up to go, his father-in-law persuaded him, so he stayed there that night. On the morning of the fifth day, when he rose to go, the woman's father said, Refresh yourself. Wait till afternoon. So the two of them ate together. Then when the man with his concubine and his servant got up to leave, his father-in-law, the woman's father, said, Now look, it's almost evening. Spend the night here. The day is nearly over. Stay and enjoy yourself. Early tomorrow morning you can get up and be on your way home. But... Unwilling to stay another night, the man left and went toward Jebus, which is Jerusalem, with his two saddle donkeys and his concubine. When they were near Jebus, they, uh, and the day was almost gone, the servant said to his master, Come, let us stop at the city of Je the Jebusites and spend the night. His master replied, No, we won't go into any city whose people are not Israelites. We will go on to Gibeah. He added, Come, let us try to reach Gibeah or Ramah, and spend the night in one of those places. So they went on, and the sun set as they neared Gibeah in Benjamin. There they stopped to spend the night, and went and sat in the city square, but no one took them in for the night. That evening, an old man from the hill country of Ephraim, who was living in Gibeah, the inhabitants of the place were Benjamites, came from his work in the fields. When he looked and saw the traveler in the city square, the old man asked, Where are you going? Where did you come from? He answered, We are on our way from Bethlehem in Judah to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, where I live. And I have been to Bethlehem in Judah, and now I am going to the house of the Lord. No one has taken me in for the night. We have, we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys, and bread and wine for ourselves and your servants. Me the woman and the young man with us. We don't need anything. You are welcome at my house, the old man said. Let me supply whatever you need, only don't spend the night in the square. So he took them into his house and fed his donkeys. After that, they had washed their feet. They had something to eat and drink. While they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house, pounding on the door, and they shouted to the old man who owned the house, Bring the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. Now I have to stop there and say, I don't know what kind of town this was, but that seems like an odd first response. Hey, there's a traveler. Let's rape him. So the owner of the house went outside and said to them, No, my friends, don't be so vile. Since this man is my guest, do not do this outrageous thing. 
Look, here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. I will bring them out to you now, and you can use them and do whatever you wish. But as for this man, don't do such an outrageous thing. And I have to immediately say that this man initially seems like he's a nice man because he took in a stranger. But the fact that he was willing to send out his daughter to be raped means he's a horrible man. Uh, continuing on, but the man would not listen to him, so the man took his concubine and sent her outside to them, and they raped her and abused her throughout the night. And at dawn they let her go. And at daybreak the woman went back to the house where the master was staying, fell down at the door, and lay there until daylight. When our master got up in the morning and opened the door of the house and stepped out to continue on his way, there lay his concubine fallen in the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said, get up, get up, let's go. But there was no answer. And then the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. So he didn't seem to have any remorse or any concern for her that she was abused or that she was now dead. But his next step was even more outrageous. So when he reached home, he took a knife and cut up his concubine limb from limb into 12 pieces and sent them to all the areas of Israel. Everyone who saw it was saying to one another, such a thing has never been seen or done, not since the days that the Israelites came out of Egypt. Just imagine, we must do something, so speak up. Now, the uh, story gets worse, but what I bring up here is that so his concubine was unfaithful to him. And, well, he, then he didn't go get her immediately. He waited four months before he did. But his first overreaction is that he thought, oh, well, since she cheated on me, I'm just going to let everybody rape her, which is a horrible thing. Then he didn't really care that she was, didn't really care about her, but he was upset more that, that he didn't have her anymore, so he cut her up into 12 pieces. And then, in verse, starting in chapter 20, Then all Israel from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead came together as one and assembled before the Lord in Mizpah. The leaders of all the people of all the tribes of Israel took their places in the assembly of God's people, 400,000 men armed with swords. And so it goes on from here that all of the people all the other tribes of Israel decide that they are going to go against the tribe of Benjamin. And so when they first when they first get to Benjamin, they go up and tell the tribe of Benjamin to turn over the men who did this evil thing, and they don't. So all the other tribes of Israel goes to to battle against Benjamin and except for a few of the for a few thousand men who escaped into the forest, they killed all of them and burnt their cities and even killed all their livestock and the women and children and everybody. They killed them all except for except for a few thousand Benjamites who, I guess it says that, um, in verse 46 of chapter 21, it says, On that day, 25,000 Benjamite surgeons fell, um, but 600 of them turned and fled into the wilderness to the rock of Rimmon, where they stayed four months. 
Then the, then the men of Israel went back to Benjamin and put all the towns to the sword, including the animals and everything else they found. All the towns they came across, they set on fire. And so, for, except for 600 Benjamites, they were all destroyed. And then after this, <coughs> after this, uh, the rest of Israel realized that they had overreacted. And not by a small margin either, by a significant margin. But before they realized that they overreacted, they all promised that they would never let any of their daughters marry into marry any of the uh, Benjamites. And then so, a little bit later, um, they realized that they had made a terrible mistake and they find some clans that didn't make that promise and they have them intermarry so they wouldn't, so the tribe of Benjamin wouldn't be uh, wiped out. But, see, it went from, this was a severe overreaction. They, instead of going and finding the men who did it themselves, they destroyed lots of innocent people who had nothing to do with it. And then another story that's also a huge overreaction is in the book of Genesis. Oops, I'm making a little noise with my Bible here, so. Uh, <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 34, it says, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, uh, sorry, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land when Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, and he took her and raped her. His heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father, Hamor, Get this girl as my wife. When Jacob heard that his daughter Dinah had been defiled, his sons were in the fields with his livestock, so he did nothing about it until they came home. Then Shechem's father, Hamor, went out to talk with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the fields, and as soon as they heard what had happened, they were shocked and furious, because Shechem had done an outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not have been done. But Hamor said to them, My son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as wife. Intermarry with us and give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourself. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. Then Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift that I am to bring as great as you like, and I'll pay whatever you ask, only give me the young woman as my wife. Because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father Hamor. They said to them, we can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We will enter an agreement with you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hamor and his son Shechem, the young man, who was the most honored of all his father's family, lost no time in doing what they said, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of their city to speak to the men of their city. These men are friendly toward us, they said. 
Let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters, and they can marry ours. But the men will agree to live with us as one people, only on the condition that our males be circumcised, as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all their animals become ours? So let us agree to their terms, and they will settle among us. All the men who went out to the city gate agreed with Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamor and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out of the, in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their women and all their children, taking all the plunder and everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me obnoxious to the Canaanites and the Pezites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they replied, Should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? Now, <clears throat> it's definitely understandable that they were upset that their sister was raped. And I could see them going in and kill him, kill him, Shechem, and even maybe his father. But to kill every male and then to go, um, and then to go take all the women and children by force, they were every bit as bad and I dare say even a lot worse than what Shechem was. And so they had a, so that was also a huge overreaction and they took it way too far. And that's also another one of these stories in the Bible that people who don't believe in the Bible point out and say, say, well, this is bad. And like, yes, it's bad. God didn't approve of it though. They just went out and did it on their own. And I tell people all the time, the Bible is not the, uh, a guide for us to live like the people in the Bible lived. Um, even the best of them were deeply flawed. Uh, but the point of the Bible is that is that throughout the Bible it points us to Christ, and every one of us deserve to go to hell, and we only don't because of the grace of God. But I pointed out these stories because there are a lot of times when we overreact about situations and take it way too far. And I'm glad. I'm glad to say that I have never taken overreacted to to anywhere close to the level of either of those stories. But you know, I've definitely overreacted about things before. And but this is the problem in with when everybody does what's right in their own sight instead of following God. Horrible bad things happen. And so that's pretty much all I've got for this for this episode. Um, got a couple of ideas for next week. I haven't decided on what I'm going to do yet. So uh, thanks for listening, and I will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.